Thank you for tuning in for this special interview with Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, if you're not familiar with Gary, he's the co-founder and CEO of VaynerMedia, social media brand consulting agency. He's also a video blogger, co-owner, and director of operations of a retail wine store. He's also an author and public speaker on the subjects of social media, brand building, and e-commerce. And he actually immigrated to the U.S. in 1978, uh, moved with his family to Edison, New Jersey. And uh, that's how he got started in entrepreneurship. His family had a retail wine store, and uh, he was allowed to innovate and start working in there. And he was very successful in growing the company. So I'm going to get started and just cut straight to the interview. Uh, a couple of things I just want you to know first. The audio quality is unfortunately not what I would have, uh, have hoped for. So please just be patient and bear with me. Um, it took me about four months to get this interview with Gary. So I'm just thankful that he was able to make time in his busy schedule to do this. And additionally, uh, if you have any uh, comments and questions, I really appreciate if you post it in the in the comments below, uh, or you can send them to info at impactsalesconsulting.com. And uh, let's get to the interview. Huge fan and uh, definitely follower of you and uh, fellow entrepreneur and salesperson. So I had, I a, had a few questions for you, and I thank so much uh, once again. Uh, but first question I had, and kind of the title for the interview was the sales DNA and why some can't. Um, and the first question I had was, um, when did you realize that you had the sales DNA? I think I first started showing it when I was five or six uh, with lemonade stands and going to people's yards and selling flowers and all those things. I don't think I realized it until maybe 12 or 13. Um, yeah. so, so I think, you know, it's a two-part question, right? When did you first show it? And when did you as your individual kind of understand it? You know, obviously my parents mm -hmm. probably saw it before I understood I had it. But I would say right around 12 or 13, I started realizing, wait a minute, like I'm, I'm good at this selling stuff. I'm a business guy. I'm, you know, I, I literally wanted to be a businessman starting in sixth or seventh grade. So I would say then. Oh, that's awesome. And I just want to give a little context for uh, people who are listening to this. Um, um, you yourself, obviously, um, various different uh, industries as far as entrepreneurship, but um, it all started back with um, trading baseball cards and um, when, then you went into uh, your family's retail wine business and really exploded the growth there and uh, moved into one of the first uh, big players in the e-commerce space. And I was wondering if you could expand a little bit on that just so people get a better context. Yeah, I mean, I think my career is predicated on being just ahead enough while still being practical. So e-commerce, I launched in 1996 for my one-store family business, and, you know, that was very early for a liquor store in New Jersey to consider to try to become a national wine player. But I knew that e-commerce was coming, much like I knew that YouTube was coming, much like I knew Twitter was coming. I've always had intuition for, you know, opportunities where things were going. And so, um, you know, I, I really took that quite seriously. I, I was very focused on it. And, uh, and so that's been the trademark of my career, right? Talk about, the, you know, when Google Glasses comes out, I'll be one of the first people trying to figure out how to market and sell on that. Um, I just like to know where the world's going and, and really enjoy trying to figure it out. You know, I would probably, back in the 1400s, I would have probably been an explorer, right? I would have been yeah. definitely on, you know, the, the boats that went into new lands and would have raised my hand to taste a fruit that we've never seen before. It's just in my DNA. Yeah, I know. I love that. Um, and a question I have for you now with uh, VaynerMedia and what you're doing there, with the social media brand uh, consulting. 
Um, what's the most challenging sale uh, of your business career so far? And I would uh, kind of, because I'm more catered towards business to business, I would think uh, if you have something you think that comes to mind in, in the VaynerMedia space, uh, that would be appreciated. Uh, I would say all of 2009 and all of 2010, right? Yeah. I mean, it was it was uh, it was uh, it was a challenge. People didn't want to spend money on on that kind of stuff, and so I would say, you know. There was a food company out of New Jersey. I remember they laughed us out of the room for 5000 a month, which is now yeah. something that we do that gets paid six figures a month. So, you yeah. know, it's just um, it's just been a, uh, a fun ride in watching social be accepted as an important platform and as a place where you should market and big brands should focus. You know, but, I mean, everything I've ever done has been tough. I mean, people used to laugh at me at the thought of putting credit cards into a computer, Right. Yeah, I mean, cu- I mean, customers literally laughed in the liquor store, in the middle of the store, saying, "Oh, Gary, I'll never, you know, I'll just call you and pick it up here." You know, I would yeah. never trust a computer with my credit card number. I mean, so, you know, or or when I wanted to sell fifty dollars Spanish and Australian wines when their threshold was twenty dollars, or you know, or when I was telling people that Tumblr was going to be big in two thousand eight, it's always been the same old game, and so, you know. It is what it is. I'm, I'm, uh, I've, I'm fortunate that I've been right a lot of times. I've been, I've tested a lot of stuff. I've been intuitively right a lot. I've test, I've, not that I've been wrong, but I've tested a lot of things. So I'm always trying the new thing. Um, but the ones that I've gotten really into, Twitter and YouTube, turned out to be right, which is why I've had, the, you know, kind of the perceived and the actual big success that I think started happening for me in 07, 08, 09, 10. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And one thing I've noticed, and I just recently did a vlog on it, um, just noticing that a lot of successful entrepreneurs start out, start out as salespeople. And I was wondering what your thoughts were on that and if you would encourage um, salespeople to consider becoming entrepreneurs. Uh, and if you had any thoughts as to regards to why so many salespeople transition into entrepreneurs. Because making money is a good way to stay alive as an entrepreneur, and salespeople know how to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I'm always going to be successful because I'm a salesperson first, and I'm a product person second, which is why I also have success. A lot of entrepreneurs that get fame now in technology are product people first. Um, Facebook, Twitter, you know, they're product people first, and then they bring in salespeople to monetize uh, oftentimes. And so that can work as well. But a salesperson, even with limited success or talent as a product person, can make most things go at least a very good salesperson. And so I really, really could be successful at anything because I'm over the top good at sales. And that's why I think a lot of salespeople go into entrepreneurship because even if they're average at almost everything else, if they're good at sales, they can make a living. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. And I think um, that's one thing that's really being undervalued uh, in society today is sales still has a stigma about it and it's uh, some people are just – Scared of well, that's because a lot of people, a lot of people are very, very average salespeople, or, you know, or you know, a great salesperson is the most honest person in the world. A good salesperson can be scamming, and so that is where it's a very interesting thing to me. A great, great, great salesperson. I consider myself a great, great salesperson for one reason: I never sell something I don't believe in, ever. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah. that's been the differentiation. I've seen a lot of good salespeople sell stuff they don't believe in just for the buck. And so I think it also has a lot to do with what your end goal is. You know, mine's legacy and mine's, 
you know, all-time greatness and minds, as many people at my funeral as possible. That, you know, other people's are, you know, BMWs and expensive watches and, and vacation homes. So, I mean, it, you know, I think, I think as a salesperson, depending on what you want to achieve really matters. And so when you want to achieve long-term things, you end up being very honest and being a long-term thinker. When you want short-term things, you're just going for the quickest buck for your next Corvette. Yeah, no, that's that's just spot on. And what percentage do you think sales uh, and entrepreneurship is DNA versus skill development? I know it's kind of a big debate and it's been going on forever. Uh, I kind of think it's a lot more DNA, but um, there's a lot of people who think you can just kind of train your way to the top. What's your perspective on that? Yeah, I think I think like everything else is it's in the middle somewhere, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, there's a lot. If the most talented people, if the most talented people would always win. Well then, you wouldn't ha- you would have the first round pick in every sport win every time. But you have all these yeah. people that pop out of nowhere, and so you know that's kind of how I look at business too. You know, I feel like I have a lot of talent, but I also think that um, I've put in the hours and the hard work and had the determination to be great. Hold on one second, my friend. Yeah, no worries. All right, go ahead. Yeah, for sure. And I wanted to get uh, some comments on some of the new, latest news coming out. Um, I know Jeff Bezos in his annual letter to Amazon investors, he said that they're focusing on customers, not competition. Um, and I, I thought that sounded very, very similar to something that you've said previously in other keynotes, and I was just wondering what your thoughts, if you had anything yeah, to add to that. You know, that's I'm unbelievably focused on on what I do and not on what everybody else does. It's incredible, actually, how little knowledge I have for the competitive agencies and the competitive brands right now in social media or how little I knew about my competitive liquor stores uh, and wine shops. You know, I took a quick glance. You know, it's funny. I think you can know your competitive, you know, your competitors really quickly. And I just think it's, a, it's, a, it's an essence of being on the offense versus the defense. I prefer to be on the offense. I prefer to make my competition worry about me and, and think about me instead of thinking about their own business. And I think it's a very good way to go about it. And so I would even take it a step further. I would say that I'm more worried about my operations and my employees than my customers. And then yeah. a, million, a million years later, do I start worrying about my competition? Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. Um, I know last year as well you made a few uh, predictions, or it might have been a year and a half now, um, but you were talking about the Facebook phone and you predicted that would come up, and we've kind of come upon the first version of that in Facebook Home. Um, yep. I don't know if you've seen much about that, but I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I don't know if you've seen the, the commercial that with Zuckerberg yes, talking and everyone else on the phone. Yeah, but, uh, thought, thought it was yeah. great. Um, so the commercial was great. Uh, I love that Sucks knows how to be self-deprecating and have humility, and that helps him, I think, long-term. Uh, yeah. The credit for the Facebook phone goes completely to my brother, AJ. He brought up five years ago the thought of, like, Facebook eliminating phone numbers. Um, so I don't think I can take full credit for that one. Uh, but he's my brother, so I'll steal it from him. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I think it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's, I haven't played with it. But, you know, the thought of communication being disrupted is something I think a lot about, and I think it's here. And, you know, people are texting and, and language has been disrupted. You know, nobody cares if you could spell anymore. Um, you know, nobody cares about run-on sentences. The world's very, very different. You know, if you get a phone call now, it's like an obligation. People don't like phone calls. They just want to be texted yeah. to. I mean, the world's just changing. It's so obvious. And I'm, I'm, I'm just shocked 
at the lack of practicality to the future that I see from executives and entrepreneurs alike. I just, you know, I don't know how to get people. I don't, you know, nobody screams as loud as I do, does as many interviews, does as many keynotes, makes as many videos. I'm just shouting the same old thing, which is if you just gave yourself some hedge to the future, you'd have a lot better and brighter future. Too many people are just all in on the present, and that's a very dangerous place to be. Yeah. And one of the things I've noticed lately, a lot of uh, tech-based companies uh, are almost taking advantage of the fact that people don't like calling anymore. And if you want to cancel a service after a trial, they make you call in um, and they make Makes you sense. Your, your credit card yeah. information and because they know people don't want to call in. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> you know smart, smart on their part for what they're trying yeah. to achieve short-term. Long-term, it's hurting, it's hurting their brand equity with people if you're not providing a service. But I understand. I mean, again, Short-term nickels and short-term dimes is, you know, a nice way to collect some money, but long-term dollars is what I've been focused on my whole career. Yeah, no, 100%. And um, I'm a big fan of Twist uh, with uh, Jason Calacanis, and I saw the episode that you were on, so I know you do a little bit of uh, angel investing. I don't know how much you've been involved in that now, but I was just curious if you could share uh, kind of your most recent or surprising angel investing uh, move that you made, maybe something you didn't think initially you were going to be interested in, but something that really was shocking and kind of caught your eye. Yeah, so I, there, there's no such scenario for me in angel investing that looks like that. I'm never surprised okay. that I invested in something because to me it's usually intuitive. I basically married my wife within the first five minutes of our first date. So I'm very intuitive. I, I'm very excited about a recent investment I made in Grand Street, uh, grandft.com. Love that site. Um, very excited about the team and, and just the, the mission of trying to solve the retail for hardware because I do believe hardware is an up-and-coming thing in our world. Uh, you know, the Jawbone, Nike Fuel Band, the, what I call smart everything is coming. Um, so that's an exciting investment for me. I have, I've done a lot of investing. I've probably done about 40 angel deals, so I've been very active. Yeah. Um, it's not a part of my career I talk a whole lot about, but I am redesigning my website, and it'll be a little more prominent, do a little more storytelling right, cool. on it. And so, you know, yeah, something I'm pretty passionate about. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. And I uh, kind of want to wrap up with um, giving you an opportunity to just give like a, a short preview, like a snapshot of what to expect uh, when jab, 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 right hook comes out. So the newest thing is that I cut two jabs out, so it's jab, 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 right hook. Uh, okay. The subtitle is How to Tell Your Story in a Noisy Social World. So what the promise is on that subtitle is I will be talking about how I think marketing on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Pinterest, Instagram is uh, emerging, why it's important, what its value is, uh, its upside. Uh, and then I'm also going to really talk about, you know, the ROI of it, what, how it compares to traditional marketing, and then finally, how I quantify it. And then the best part is I'm going to make the book a pretty big utility. I expect hundreds of case studies of micro content, you know, pictures on Instagram, Tumblr, Facebook, Twitter, and write two, three sentences on why it was good, bad, or indifferent, why it respected the platform, why I believe all these platforms are different, and, uh, and that's the scoop. No, that's awesome. Thanks so much. Uh, really appreciate your time and definitely um, big inspiration and actually encouraged me to write my first book, which um, I'm about to launch here pretty soon on sales prospecting. So, um, good for you, man. Well, good luck. Thanks so much. Yeah, appreciate your time and Thanks, uh, enjoy the rest yeah. of the day with Enjoy it. You too. Take care, man. Bye. Bye-bye.